Father God, we come to you this morning and I pray, dear Lord, that if there's one in this room that doesn't know Jesus, that they would today. God, I pray that we would not be guilty of being religious, dear Lord, and thinking that we are justified by what we can do. But God, that everything that we do, we focus on Jesus Christ and what He has done. And I pray, God, that we don't miss that. I pray that we don't ever fall into that trap of religion. But I pray that we always uh, are found faithful to be followers of Jesus Christ and faithful servants of His. And I pray that you just bless us as we uh, look at these words today. Bless me as I preach and teach, dear Lord, to to help me to be uh, a a good representative of your words. And uh, God, help these words to speak uh, to us today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, on the first page we have a few scriptures that we will go through this morning. Come on in, just in time, just in time. Okay. Yes, sir. Can't hurt. I gave him this one. I gave him this one. Oh, okay. That way you tired. Well, you don't want to. He said he had a middle note. All right. Religianity or religion versus Christianity. Is there a difference between the two? And is one better than the other? The first passage that we're going to look at, now we won't go too much into the context of some of these passages for time's sake, but uh, we will look at what I think is at least some significance to this question that we're asking today. And the first verse we're looking at is James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Now, in the context, he is talking about the tongue here. But we won't get too much into exactly what James is talking about, but we will look at something that he says here. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, then his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Now... To me, that leads me to believe that there is a useless religion. There is some religion that some possess, uh, but it's a religion that is useless. That is, it is not from God. It is merely just religion. Pure and undefiled religion, so here he makes a distinction. There is another kind of religion, and that is pure and undefiled religion. There is a a good side, a good part of religion. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. So if we want a good definition of what pure religion is, what religion should be, James gives us a good definition here. To look after the widows and the orphans and to keep oneself from sinning. Now that's pretty simplified instructions right there. That's pretty easy for us to understand. Now, when we talk about religion, religion in and of itself is not a bad thing. Uh, To be religious is just to simply uh, have something that you follow. Now, it depends on what you follow that makes your religion a good thing or a bad thing. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You You can, if you are a Christian, you are definitely religious. But just because you are religious doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. There's a distinction. There's a difference there. And I think we see that difference even in the life of Jesus and the people that he encounters. And James points out to us here in these verses as he's talking about taming the tongue, he points out that there is uh, bad religion, but if we want pure and undefiled religion, if we want good religion, 
then that is to do what God commands us to do. That is the type of religion that God desires for us to have, and that includes taking care of people who are in need and staying away from sin. Uh, so that's, a, that's one passage, even though uh, there aren't a whole lot of scriptures that talk about religion or, or religiousness uh, in, in the New Testament, at least maybe not in the way that we're talking about them today. This is one that I think uh, gives us some idea uh, to go along with what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 24, uh, this is Paul addressing some people that he encountered. Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 24. Then Paul stood in the middle of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. Now, listen to what he calls them there. He calls them extremely religious. They are very religious people, but guess what they're not? They are not Christian people. Even though they are religious, they are not followers of Jesus. Uh, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, He is Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Amen. Now here, here uh, Paul is talking to people who are not Christian people. They are religious people and they had these statues or these monuments or these altars they worshipped at, but they didn't even know the God they worshipped. It just said to an unknown God. Can you imagine? They don't even know who their God is. They just, well, whoever this God is, we're going to worship it. But Paul said... I'm going to tell you who God is. And he goes on to tell them who God is. Another example of people who were religious, but they were not Christians. There is a distinction between those two things. They followed a God, but they did not follow the God. And so their religion was not going to save them, even though they were extremely religious. In Psalm chapter 51, verses 16 and 17, it says... You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. Now, here we see what God really desires from us. Now, that was the problem with many of the people of Jesus' day, is that they were wanting to follow the letter of the law of Moses. That's what Jews wanted to do. They held Moses as the highest that there was. Now, if you go ask a Jew today what they think about Jesus, they will tell you Jesus is nobody. Any good Jew will tell you that Jesus is nobody, that Moses is who they follow. Uh, you can find plenty of Jews online uh, that will say just that statement. And that was the problem of the Jews. They wanted to follow the law. They were more concerned about the outward showing. Okay, we're going to give offerings to God. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But Psalm 51 says that's not what God really wants. Even though it was commanded in the law and they should have done those things, they, that, those things were never going to save them. Those things were to merely point them in the direction of what needed to be done. That is, an ultimate sacrifice and offering had to be made. But the purpose of the law was to get people's hearts to focus on the Lord. The Lord would say, don't do this because this is bad for you. Do this and it will help you to be focused on me. Now, David got that here in the 51st Psalm, and we see this same thing alluded to several times in Scripture. 
It's not the outward things that we do that make us right before God. That's what religion is. Religion says it's what you do outwardly that makes you right with God. That is just the opposite of what Christianity is. Christianity is based on what Jesus Christ has already done. Now, if I had to make a definition to say what's the difference between religion and Christianity, it would be something like this. Religion says do. Jesus says done. That's it. Because religion always tells you what you must do. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. You need to do that. And guess who the burden gets put on? It gets put on you and what you do and how good you are. But Christianity is what Jesus has already done. It's Jesus Christ living as a perfect Son of God. It's Jesus Christ being a sacrifice for us on the cross. It's Jesus Christ suffering and dying for us. It's Jesus Christ being a sacrifice for us. It's Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead. It's Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. And guess what? All those things have been done. It is finished, Jesus said on the cross. That's the difference. Religion says, do, 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 do. You got to do, you got to do, you got to do. But Christianity and Jesus says, it's already done. You come to me. And that's the difference. And there's a lot of people who are trying to earn God's favor by religion. But, but David says here, look, you don't want us to go through the motions. You want us to have a heart that's focused on you. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, a similar passage. For I desire loyalty and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God wants us to be loyal to Him and to have a knowledge of Him and to seek Him out, to learn about Him, to follow Him. That's what God really desires, as we see here in Hosea. Even Jesus Himself quotes this passage in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. He says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners, you know who he's telling that to? He's telling it to the religious leaders. And he's telling it to them because they didn't get it. That's why he says, go understand, go figure out what this means. Go figure out what this means. Why did they need to figure it out? Because they didn't get it. They were still trying to go through the motions. They were still trying to live under the law. They were doing all the things outwardly that they thought they needed to do. But as Jesus would say, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. They were religious as they could be, but they were as far away from Jesus as they could be. And Jesus quotes the Scripture to help them understand, look, what God wants is not for us to look a certain way. It's not for us to check the right boxes. It's for us to love Him, to seek Him out, to follow Him, and to be loyal and faithful followers of Him. That's what God wants. God wanted that from the get-go. He wanted that before the law was ever in place. And guess what? The law would never fulfill that. It was a God, Galatians tells us, to lead us until something better came, and that something better was Jesus. And Jesus is trying to explain in His ministry. And that's why He said in the Sermon on the Mount, You have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, but I tell you. And He says those things, and he talks about something that they had misunderstood or got wrong or twisted around. And he corrects the heart behind what the law was intended for. They were getting off track by following the letter of the law. But they never really had, at least some of them didn't, a real relationship with the Lord. They never really followed him. And Jesus says that here. He says, look, understand what this means. 
I didn't come to call the righteous, uh, but sinners. Now, this was a problem for the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day that Jesus would sit and gather around the table with sinners, with prostitutes, with tax collectors, the scum of the earth. And here Jesus, while he walked the earth, who did he interact with? Well, he interacted with sinners. Well, lo and behold, how dare Jesus do that? And Jesus said, look, I didn't come to save the righteous. Now, there's a couple of ways we can take that. Maybe Jesus is saying the self-righteous. I didn't come to save those who think they are righteous but aren't really. Or maybe Jesus is implying that there are some who are faithful followers of the Lord. I don't know which way to take it. But ultimately, Jesus says, I came to save sinners. And we need to recognize in the same way that the religious leaders of his day needed to recognize that we are all sinners. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We are all uh, sick people in need of a doctor, and Jesus is the great physician that we need. Jesus is telling them here, understand what you need. Understand what's important. It's not sacrifice. It's not going through the motions. It's faithfully following the Lord and recognizing that we are sinners in need of a Savior. John chapter 4, verse 23 but an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. Now, Jesus is here with a Samaritan woman. Now, this in and of itself was uh, phenomenal. The Samaritans were also hated by the Jews. It was conflict there. Uh, it, was, it was this group hated this group. They were, they were lesser than us is what they thought. And the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. The fact that Jesus would talk to a woman is crazy. The fact that he would talk to a Samaritan woman is insane. And that's who he's talking to in this passage in John chapter 9. And he's explaining to her uh, what, what, what's happening and that he is the Messiah. He eventually tells her that. I am he. I'm the one that is coming. But he says that there's coming a time when the true worshipers will worship the fathers in spirit and in truth. Now, that leads me to believe that there are some fake worshipers out there. If there are true worshipers, that is, there are really people who are genuinely seeking and worshiping the Lord. There are other people, though, who are kind of faking. They might have been in the synagogue. They might have been in the temple. They might have looked the part, but they weren't really worshiping the Lord. But Jesus says there's coming a day when those who truly worship the Lord are going to worship Him in truth and in spirit. That is, those who are really followers of His who are going to worship Him, those who are just kind of religious and going through the motions, they're not really true worshipers of the Lord. They are just simply religious hypocrites. Uh, as Jesus would uh, go on to call them uh, in Matthew chapter 23. If you want to flip your page over, we will get to Matthew 23. Now, Jesus, Jesus didn't really cut these religious leaders any slack in Matthew 23. We won't cover the whole chapter this morning for time's sake, uh, but I will encourage you to read that and see all the things that Jesus talks about. We will just hit a couple this morning just to kind of get the idea. Now, Jesus is speaking to religious leaders in these verses. These are the religious hypocrites. That is, people who are looking the part, but aren't really faithful followers of the Lord. And Jesus calls them out on it. Now, they already hated Jesus. They already were looking for a way to kill him from the beginning of his ministry. And now, even more so, it probably uh, riled them up because of what Jesus is saying. Now, in the religious people's minds, they thought that they were good because they grew up learning the Scriptures, because they wore the right clothes, 
because they had seats of honor, because they were rabbis, because they said the longest, loudest prayers, because they put big money and big things uh, in the offering plate for show. And so based on these things, they thought that they were doing really good. Well, how could God be disappointed with us? Look at us. They thought that they were hot stuff. Now, there are plenty of people in this world today that probably feel the same way. Now, whether or not they are Christians, that's the Lord's uh, job to decide and discern the heart. There may indeed be some Christians who have fallen into the trap of religion, and there may be some who think they are Christian but are simply religious. Now, these people did not want to hear what Jesus was about to tell them in Matthew 23. This would have no doubt made them very angry. Because Jesus tells them some stern things here. Matthew chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, talking about these religious leaders here, he says, They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be observed by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. Now what Jesus is saying is, these religious leaders are putting a lot of burden on the other people. That's what religion does. We talked about that a minute ago. These otherwise, religious we, Otherwise it's a lot of weight. That's right, a lot of weight. They were saying, you must do this, you must do that, you must do this, and they were judging them. Oh, you don't look like us, you don't act like us, you don't dress like us, therefore you are in the wrong. And they were putting a heavy burden on people of things that God never called them to do but yet they weren't willing to lift a finger themselves. And what are they doing things for? To be observed by others. Their main goal was not to serve the Lord with all their heart and soul. Their main goal was not to do what was right before the Lord and be obedient to Him. Their goal was to look good in front of the other people. So the other people say, whoa, look at them, they're super holy. Oh, we better listen to what they say. They enlarge their uh, phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. Now, phylactery is not a word in our modern English. Most of us probably don't know what that is. But it's a little uh, leather box. I think they were made out of leather that they would like tie on their wrist and stuff, and they would hold little, little pieces of paper of which Scripture was written on. And so they would have these things that were Scripture that was essentially hanging on them. They were wearing these Scriptures, and they enlarge them. They make them bigger. The bigger their box is, the more Scriptures, the holier they are. They're there was a, a visible outward symbol to show that they were super holy, better than everybody else. And they lengthened their tassels. The longer the tassels were, the more important, the more prominent you were. Now, these would have been the rabbis. These would have been the religious leaders, the teachers. They would have been the ones who would have desired to sit in the seats of honor, put me in the front of the church, sit me in the big chair in front of everybody else. I want to be there because I and holy. That would have been the heart that they would have had. And sadly, there are some people today with that same heart. But Jesus says those who are first shall be last, and those who are last shall be first. Listen, if you're a Christian in here, we should never desire the seat of honor. We should always desire to sit in the back. Jesus said, look, you sit in the back and if the guest, uh, if, the, if the thrower of the party invites you to come up front, then you come up front. But boy, you'll look foolish if you sit up front and you're asked to be moved. And Jesus was calling these people out saying, you want the spotlight and you get it. But those who are first in this world, as Jesus would later say, will be last in the world to come. 
Now that's what religion will do for us. It may make us look good in this life before people, but it's not going to do anything for us before God and the life to come. I can promise you that. Religion, apart from faith in Jesus Christ, will gain you nothing. It will gain you nothing. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, he calls them out again. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Whoo, talk about getting riled up, calling somebody a hypocrite. You lock up the kingdom of heaven from people, for you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to go in. Now Jesus says, we see this at the beginning of his ministry. He says, look, the time has come, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus brought with him the kingdom of God because he is the king. But what were the Pharisees doing? Well, they should have been trying to build the kingdom of God and lead people to Jesus Christ, lead them to the king. But that's not what they were doing. Instead, they were locking up the kingdom of heaven from people. The very thing that Jesus was bringing to them, the Pharisees were locking them out of. They were making it difficult for them to enter heaven. How were they doing that? They weren't pointing them to Jesus. They were pointing them to, to, to the religion that they follow. For you don't go in. Now he's telling them right here. You're not going into the kingdom of heaven. You're not in it. He also said later on in the scripture, he said, uh, uh, I think he said, thieves and, and prostitutes are going into the kingdom of heaven before you. It might not have been thieves and prostitutes, but it was some sinners. He said, they're going into heaven before you go into heaven. Now he's telling them right here, you're not in the kingdom of heaven. You're not in the kingdom of God. For you don't go in and you don't allow those entering to go in. So there were people who were seeking, there were people who were looking, there were people who were trying to find the answer, but the Pharisees were keeping them from Jesus by trying to get them to adhere to religion. He goes on a little further. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to make one proselyte, and when he become one, becomes one, you make him twice as fit for hell as you are. Now, a proselyte is a conversion. Somebody you've gotten to convert to your religion. Somebody that they've gone out and said, look, you need to come be like us. You need to come do what we say. And they get these people in and they make a proselyte out of them, a conversion, somebody who converts to their religion. And Jesus says, now what have you done when you've done that? You've made them twice as fit for hell because they are just like you are. Whoa, Nelly. Now you talk about strong language right there. Now that's serious stuff. Now this is the kind of stuff that if most preachers were to call out people in their church for doing and acting this way, guess how long they would be at that church? Not very long. Now hopefully they wouldn't kill them like Jesus got killed. But there are lots of religious people and guess what? They ain't changed. The religious people of Jesus' day are just like the churches full of religious people today. There are lots of religious people that are sitting running a church and as soon as a pastor calls them out and preaches God's word to them and convicts them and tells them they are hypocrites, woe unto him! Because how dare he call out their religion and point them to Jesus Christ. Now we can't expect any better than what Jesus got. If we preach the truth and we preach it in love and we preach what God's Word says, guess what? It is going to offend some people. Amen. Sometimes it's going to offend us when we read God's Word because we are sinners. And sometimes we are the hypocrites. And when we read these words, sometimes they're speaking to us. Now the question is going to be, what's going to be our response? 
Well, we know the response of the Pharisees when they heard the truth. Did they repent of their sin? Nope, they killed the messenger. And that's exactly what a lot of people in churches do today. Don't come in here telling us all this stuff we don't want to hear. This goes against what we do. This goes against our religion. This goes against what we like. Therefore, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. And Jesus is calling them out saying, Look, you're making everybody be just like you, look like you, act like you. But guess what? You're making them twice as fit for hell because you're not pointing them to me. Now, this is a heavy chapter right here. This is heavy stuff. Jesus is really preaching some pretty heavy stuff to these people. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, faith, and mercy. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, yet gulp down a camel. You can strain something that ain't worth nothing, but then you drink up something that's going to harm you. They're, they're picking and choosing things that don't matter to the Lord. They're more concerned about, oh, I gave a tenth. Oh, I did this. Oh, look how much I put in there. I am so good. Yes. But you neglected what mattered, Jesus says. What matters is not those things. What matters is the love of people. What matters is justice and mercy and faith. There's a lot of people, I'm afraid, that are in this world that think that they are hot stuff in God's eyes because they put big fat checks in that offering plate. I'm doing good. I put 15% in. I put, 20, I put 50% in. God's going to love me. Guess what? God doesn't love you. He don't care if you put 100% in. If you're not being obedient to Him, if you're not loving Him and you're not loving other people, then guess what? You are in bad shape. You cannot buy salvation. If you could buy salvation, Jesus' death on the cross would be worthless. The only price that can be paid for your salvation was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, look out, because you're more concerned about what you put in the box every week than you are about doing what God called you to do. Now this is nothing new. Jesus isn't telling them nothing new. This is what God already wanted them to do in the Old Testament. He already wanted them to love Him with all their heart and to love those they encountered and to take care of those and to meet the needs of those. God already wanted them to do that. But they had missed it all this time. And Jesus says, you're still missing it. You're still more concerned about what's on the outside than what's on the inside. You're still making a big to-do about nothing. And then the things that you should be making a big to-do about, you're not doing anything about them. Matthew chapter 23, verses 25. I said this is just questions. This is real good preaching today. This is good. This is better than just a question answer. All right, Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees! First clean the inside of the cup, so the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. And the same way on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Hoo! Talk about cutting to the core right there. Now, there was already a dispute that had happened earlier between Jesus and his, and his disciples and the Pharisees said, why didn't they wash the dishes like they should? Why aren't they cleaning the outside? They're going to defile themselves by eating something that's dirty. 
And Jesus has already got on them on one occasion and said, look, it's not what goes into the body that makes a man unclean. It's what comes out of the mouth that makes somebody unclean. Jesus has already got on them. This, this, this event had already occurred. We had already seen uh, this very thing take place. And here Jesus is using the illustration of cups and plates because a good Jew would have never eaten off anything dirty because it would have made him unclean. And Jesus says, this is what you're like. You you worry so much about making the outside look clean and beautiful and nice and shiny, but what's inside is what's dirty and filthy and ain't worth nothing. And then he goes on to compare them to tombs. Oh, you're like a beautiful tomb. Like a beautiful cemetery that's well maintained where all the tombstones are perfectly clean and there's beautiful flowers on everything and oh, what a beautiful cemetery you are. But dig up the dirt a little bit and what you'll find is rotting corpses that are full of worms that are decaying. And Jesus says that is what you're like spiritually. You wear the big robes, you have the big tassels, you have the boxes full of scriptures, you put the biggest amount in the plates and you say the biggest, longest, loudest prayers that everybody is in awe of but inside you are wasting and rotting away you are decaying you are filthy and you are unrighteous mm. that's what Jesus mm. told him Windows wrestling. that's what that's what religion is that's exactly what religion is it looks good on the outside but it is completely dead on the inside mm. that's why there's a lot of people that say I've tried God and he didn't do nothing for me Ooh. no they didn't try God they tried religion They never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They had a relationship with religion. They went to a building. They saw religious people. They went through the motions. But they never trusted Jesus Christ. They're rejecting Jesus based on religion. Because all they've experienced is religion. Now our job as Christians is to not bring religion to the world, but to bring Jesus to the world. We We don't want people to say... Uh, see religion in us. We want people to see Jesus in us. I don't want people to look at me and say, boy, he's really religious. I want people to look at me and say, boy, he really loves Jesus. He really preaches the Word. That's what we should want people to say about us. Religion is not the same thing as Christianity. If you're a Christian, praise the Lord, you're going to be religious. But if you're religious, it doesn't mean that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Religion says, this is what you need to do. Jesus says, This is what has already been done. A lot of times we look at our churches that we build and and religion is all about building a bigger and fancier church. And then what we do when we build these big fancy churches is we want only the religious people to come in and how dare a sinner ever enter the door. Well, guess what? A church is not a museum for the saints. It's a hospital for the sick. It's a hospital for the sinner. That's what church needs to be. But we get on our religious high horses sometimes and we begin to pick and choose and we begin to meet people at the door and say, you can't come in here. You need to get out of here. You can't be part of our congregation unless you change this, that, and the other. And once you change, then you can come to church. You know what that's called? Religion. You know what Christianity is? You know what Christianity is? It's sinners coming to the door and saying, you're a sinner like I am. Jesus can forgive you. You come in here and you hear about Jesus and you let Jesus change your life. That's Christianity. But that's exactly the opposite of what churches do. We want to keep sinners out of the church. But Jesus wants to bring them into the church. 
Jesus ate around the table with sinners. We want to tell sinners, get away from the table. You don't belong here. But Jesus says, come to the table. Jesus said, if you're a sinner, come on in. He doesn't say, if you're rich, if you're fancy, if you're well-dressed, if you, if you know your Bible good, He doesn't say that. He says, come with your sin. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yes, He did. Now, that's what Jesus says. Yes, now, why aren't we doing that as churches? I don't know. There, I'm not saying every church is guilty of that, or everybody in every church is guilty of that, but I believe every church has a few people that may be like that. Boy, we want to turn them away. We can't let those people come into our church. Well, if we can't let sinners come into church, who can we let come into church? We can't let anybody come into church. We don't want to be those who are religious. We want to be those who are faithful followers and servants of Jesus Christ. If religion is so good, then why does it cause so many wars? That's a good question. Hey, do you know how many religious wars there are? There's been tons of religious wars. People killed, people fighting and feuding. Why? Because religion isn't worth anything. If people were following Jesus, they would love each other. They would, they would, they right. would come together. That's they wouldn't right. fight over religion. They would come together in love. But that's not what religion is. And so therefore it causes lots of conflicts. Religion says there should be racism and inequality. Religion says these people can't come to our church because they're not like us. And these people can't come to our church because they're not like us. And so we end up getting different churches all around the world for different types of people. And that's what religion says, is you can't come unless you're like us. But Christianity says equality. Religion says difference. Christianity says equality. Uh, religion says you got to be like us. Jesus says all people are equal and I want everybody to come together and love me and worship me. And that's what it should be. We shouldn't look at differences of skin color or differences of culture or differences of any of those things. That's not Christianity. That's religion. That's separating people on what we think is right. When God says all people are created equal, when God says He loves everyone. Yes. But see, that's what religion has done. It's torn people apart. It's built walls where God never intended them to be. Religion makes you a slave, but God calls you a son. Now, there are a lot of people in this world that are slaves to religion. Yeah. Just like these hypocrites that Jesus was talking about. They have been burdened down by people in the church, by pastors, by people who may or may not be Christians, by people in leadership who are putting these burdens on people in church and they are saying, you've got to do this. You want to come back here? You've got to do what we tell you to do. You've got to do it our way. You've got to look like us. You've got to talk like us. You've got to think like us. You've got to sing the songs we like. You've got to use the same language we like. And when you do that, you'll be accepted before us and God will be happy with you. That's the message that religion sends. And you know what? It makes people a slave. It makes people burdened. Every time they do the wrong thing, oh, God's not going to love me because I didn't do this. Well, guess what? Many times God didn't call you to do it anyway. And religion enslaves people. But you know what God calls us? He doesn't call us to be a slave to religion. He calls us son. Now we're a slave to Him. But that's the difference between religion and Christianity. Religion, we do it because we have to. Christianity does it because we want to. In Christianity, we do a lot of things that religion may say to do. But we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to. We do it because that's what the Bible calls us to. We do it because that is what we're supposed to do. So in my opinion, I believe that there is a big difference between Christianity and religion. I believe there's a big difference between following Jesus and following religion. And I believe, in my opinion, that these verses we looked at today is good evidence of that. That there is good religion and bad religion. 
I believe that there are many people in this world today who are going through the motions, who were just like the people of Jesus' day. But I'll tell you this, religion will never save you. I don't want you to come to church and act a certain way. I don't want you to feel like you have to do a certain thing. I don't want you to feel like you have to say certain things. I don't want you to feel like you have to look a certain way. I want you to know this, that Jesus says, come to the table. Jesus says, come to me as you are. Jesus says, come to me and I will make you a new man. Mm -hmm. And Jesus will do it on His time. Mm -hmm. We don't come to Jesus when we get our life right. We come to Jesus and Jesus gets our life right. right. And we've got it just backwards. We tell people, all right, once you get your life right, you can come to Jesus. No, that's not Christianity. That's... Religion. And I never want to be guilty of preaching religion. I only want to be guilty of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hide my weaknesses, nor do I want any of you to hide your weaknesses. We shouldn't be those who pretend like we are not sinners, but we should be those who come together, whether Christian or not, and say, look, I'm a sinner, and I boast in my weaknesses because I am hopeless and helpless on my own, but through Jesus Christ, I can be forgiven of my sins, and so I come to Him not because of anything I can do, but because of everything Jesus Christ has done on a cross. That's right. Let's pray. That's right. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these good words. Yes. And God, we thank you for Jesus. Yes. And God, help us to never try to do it on our own because yes. we just don't, we don't understand Jesus if we are. If we're trying to do it on our own, God, we've missed it. Yes. So help us to get in your word, dear Lord, that we know what the truth is. Yes. God, help us to not be religious hypocrites, but help us to be faithful followers. Yes. I pray that if there's one in this room, dear Lord, that is not a follower of Jesus Christ today that they would be. God, maybe they've been holding back all these years. God, maybe they fool themselves. Maybe the devil's fooled them. And by being religious, they think they've trusted Jesus, but maybe today they realize that they hadn't. But maybe today they've heard the truth. Maybe today they see the freedom. Maybe today they want to be called a son. Maybe they've been a slave to religion and they feel like that they're just hopeless and helpless and they've never felt your presence, God, because they've never had it. But God, I pray today that they would realize that all those things are worthless. There's nothing that matters, dear Lord. There's nothing of worth except for Jesus Christ. So God, I pray for us sinners. Whether we're in this room today and we're a saved sinner or a lost sinner, God, I pray that we bring our sins to you. God, if we're a saved sinner, I pray that we would repent. God, if we're a lost sinner, I pray that there's one in here that today that they would come to you. Jesus, as they would know you're sitting at the table and you're there to eat with sinners. You're there, to, you're there to be with them, dear Lord. And you call us to come to you. You call the sick. And we are sick, dear Lord, because of our sin. You call us to come to you. So God, I pray that if there's one here today that doesn't know you, that today they'd come to the table. And they'd say, Lord Jesus, I'm hungry. I'm burdened. I'm weary. I'm tired. And I'm helpless. And Jesus, I don't want to try to do it. I want to trust in you. And God, in that moment when they do that, when they humble themselves, it's not about what they bring you. It's not about what they do for you. It's about coming to you with a broken and humble heart. God, your word says it. And let them know it. Let them believe it. Let them listen to it today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen.